Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. So, Dean, is it just me or when you hear the term computer vision? Yeah. Do you think of things from like movies and television, like the POV shots of like HAL 9000 or <laughs> the Terminator? Oh, like a computer looking at you? Yeah. And how like, the computer sees yeah. you? Or like Geordi's visor from Star Trek. If you want something Actually, now I think about it, the terrifying. Terminator stuff was kind of comical because does the computer really need a heads up display of, you know. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Yeah. Because, right, it's internal. Yeah. It's, it's exactly. just thinking that through. Yeah. But, but exactly. I like where you're going. Okay. Right, yeah, well, yeah, but yeah. in reality, computer vision is nothing like what we see. In the no. Movies. We're not talking about literal no. vision with no. you know, overlays and stuff no. like that. I mean, <laughs> we're talking about something a little bit different. So that's what we're talking about today. We're going to get into yeah. computer vision. We're yeah. going to talk about how it's actually a very important part of deploying things oh, like yes. automation, oh, yes. computing, AI solutions. Oh, yeah. You, you got to have that computer machine vision uh, yep. aspect of it in yep. order to make all that stuff happen. Yeah, and if George Shaw from Pather didn't it didn't impress upon you or can, where computer vision is going, we're backing it up even more. <laughs> That's right. Hey, I know a lot of people watch that George Path that uh, oh, George yeah. Shaw video, For so sure. you know, I think yeah. um yeah. I, I think uh, they're going to be interested in this conversation yeah, I too. I think so too. So we've got Robert Isney joining us today from Intel. Oh, we're going to we talk a good one. We're going to talk all about computer vision trends. We're going to talk about, you know, Understanding, you know, what's exactly is happening in that market right mm-hmm. now. What's 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 happened before? Where we are? What's coming next? Mm-hmm. We're going to get into some specifics about data quality. How important that is to the whole picture of, of computer yes. vision. Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then we're going to hit on a few industries that are going to be relevant to our VARs about where this fits in, where they can hopefully be, you know, making some some sales and getting some business themselves. Can I make a, a claim? Okay, I think sure. This podcast will be highly impactful two, three, five years down the oh, road. There as well. All right. So are we so are we done then? Can uh, we just stop with this podcast? Well, stop yeah, anymore? I mean, if you just learn from just, what we're about to say. Just replay this every single replay? week. There you go. Okay. No, we still got stuff that, to talk about. Oh, Sorry. All right, yeah. fine. Nice try. Uh, all that plus our usual value to the VAR and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. As I mentioned today, our guest returning to the podcast. It's yes. been a little over a year, I think, since the last time you were yes. on. Rob Risney, he is the director of Edge AI and Solution Aggregation for Intel. Rob, thanks for coming back and joining us again. What have you been up to over the past year plus? Well, I'll tell you what, it's been uh, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. We've had uh, some, some great new uh, AI solutions come into the uh, Intel ecosystem. Um, you know, our, we, we formed our industry specific, uh, high, high propensity AI constellations, which were our high, uh, high value AIs focused on verticals. And of course, Intel has been out focused on, uh, new developments and new releases of technology. Oh, and by the way, we also broke ground on, uh, one of the largest, uh, semiconductor manufacturer, uh, manufacturing plants right in your backyard, uh, in Ohio. So. Yeah, it's been a it's been a busy year for us here. Loving the fab. Yep. Oh yeah. Bring it on. Definitely. Let's start making some chips here, baby. No, <laughs> no doubt, doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, I think if we <laughs> if we learned anything over the last couple of years, it's how much more of that stuff we need right here, here close to home. Yeah. You know? Ohio's a great place. Exactly. There you go. We all agree. Uh, all right. Well, well, Rob, let's get into this conversation about you know trends in the realm of computer vision, and let's talk about first of all where we stand right now. So you know, help us understand a little bit about computer machine vision. What can it do right now? What maybe even what can it not do right mm-hmm. now? But also, mm-hmm. what's coming next? Like, what are what what's getting ready to happen here in the near future? 
you know, I was actually intrigued in your opening monologue, you know, hearing you talk of and draw analogies to famous movies um, and the technology that that's relevant um, in this space. You know, yeah, you think about, well, the Terminator doesn't need to have the little numbers running down in his uh, in his head to figure out that, you know, that coat fits and that one doesn't. Well, what was really interesting, even in that long time ago, of what was going on was it was actually a really good showcase about what happens behind the scenes. Computer vision is simply a new source of data. That's what it is. Computer vision is a simulation of what it means to take in the ultimate analog signal, which is what your eyeball does, and then interpret that information so that actions can be taken. And of course, the thing that has to happen first is we have to recognize what am I seeing? Is that a cat? Is that a Harley Davidson? Um, is that a shopper? Um, is that a, a broccoli? Um, all of those things that you know, we take for granted as we drive down the road or, um, or, we, or we're walking through a grocery store um, or, you know, we're counting on the fact that the police officer uh, in the bank recognizes suspicious behavior. Those kinds of things require a deep integration between the data input that comes from the, from the eye um, and whether that's a biological eye or a machine eye, the first thing you have to do is recognize what's going on. And that's where the market is right now. It's all about recognition in machine vision and doing a better job of understanding what we're seeing. Um, that's where we are now. And naturally what has to happen next is the evolution of how we take that input analog signal, interpret the conditions that are implicit in what is being seen and choose to take action. And that's the evolution of analytics as it's been going for the last 25 years. Um, and the difference now is that the speed at which the data is coming at us um, is much higher. And therefore also because of that, um, the questions we have to ask ourselves and the defenses we have to put in ourselves so that we don't take the wrong actions becomes more important than ever. And those are the kinds of topics that Intel is deeply invested in from an R&D standpoint uh, and from a market awareness standpoint. So let's look at a couple of statistics that we, we all read some articles here mm -hmm. in the lead up to this one. And, and let's riff on a couple of these. And this was a Shutterstock, I think, Rob, that you sent over about predictions of the future of computer vision. It just kind of helps to frame out mm -hmm. where we're at mm -hmm. today. But here's one. Uh, the computer vision market is set to increase from $6.6 billion way back in 2015, so seven way years back, ago, yeah. $6.5 to $48.6 billion at the end of this year. Yeah. So... That's a kegger of 32.9%. So that's explosive amount of growth that's happening in the computer vision market, right? Robin, I guess you're kind of saying, yeah, Intel's seeing that, uh, yeah. the compute that's happening around computer vision. And there you go. But with, with a kegger of 33%, there's a lot of that happening out in the marketplace, right? It's one of the fastest growing uh, consumers of compute power. Um, and whether that's because we needed to... Um, you know, just toy with some of these ideas uh, in the early days, um, in the in the late 2010s. But once we crossed over into that pandemic realm, 
Um, and I hate to even bring that up anymore here at the end of 2022. The reality is that the uh, shock waves that went through the market when we realized all of a sudden, wait a minute, sometimes we can't even have people in the vicinity of each other. Um, and then the knockoff effect of things like we don't have people, we don't have enough people to fill particular uh, jobs. Like, for example, we needed to staff warehouses more than we could. And we, and we don't have enough people to, you know, manually check the, whether the stuff that's in the box is correct. So the explosion that we started to see in machine vision is the reality that what it, what we truly have is the early stages of, of a way to augment the way that humans have always thought about doing work. Um, and whether that's, you know, thinking about a virtual security guard, um, a virtual, a virtual checkout, um, a, a, an autonomous uh, device that delivers a package, you know, inside of a warehouse or your lunch, if you're on a university campus, these all rely on this kind of technology. And that's absolutely driven, I think, the explosion in edge compute, which is where we see the big growth. It's all in the edge compute space. So to back that, a McKinsey report coming out of that same article notes that by 2024, just whatever, a year away from now, more than 50% of user touches will be augmented by AI-driven speech, written word, or computer vision algorithms. Yeah. So, you know, that's that took me a second. I, I, like, I, I had to read that like three or four times. Like, what? 50% of user touches will be augmented by some type of AI, and computer vision is going to be one of those algorithms. That, yep. I mean, that just speaks to exactly what Rob was just saying, the explosion of what's happening on the edge, in the compute, specifically around computer vision. It is changing, you know, our world. So, yeah, you know, okay, so I'm on a Tesla Facebook, you know, thing, and so... Um, you know, you can see uh, they just released their their latest beta of fully autonomous. And right. if you've ever watched it, it's unbelievable because their their whole way of going about it is is through AI. Right. And you can they they had a car, a Model Three that like drove through downtown San Francisco, point A to point B, fully autonomous in the rain, people crossing in front of it, it's swerving around. So. I mean, computer vision is, is right. I mean, that's yeah. the most, you know, that's one that, that, you know, from a consumer standpoint, people can understand. But Rob just connected the dots back into our world. How is that factory floor robot going to be able to move across the floor right. and not run into humans, not right. run into whatever? Or how is how is computer machine vision going to help in healthcare, which we're a, a lot of? It's, it's another data point, uh, but but it's looking, it's analyzing and, and things of that nature. The recognition that is happening through machine vision is going to be very, very revolutionary in, in our world yeah, here as yeah, well. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and Rob, I, I like what you mentioned early on, too, about the whole analog versus digital, because mm -hmm. I feel like we're always striving when we're talking about these solutions and what, what, what computers can do and what technology can do. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we're trying to get it as close to what's happening up here inside right? our own brains yeah. as possible. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We know what happens when we see something, you know, to your point about whether you're driving or you're navigating through a crowd or something, mm -hmm. we know what our brain takes in to tell us when it's time to move, when it's time to turn, when it's mm -hmm. time to stop. Mm -hmm. And how do you get a machine to replicate that so that we feel safe enough letting it do the job for us? Yep. And, and then, you know, and then coming back to what you've, we've 
all mentioned a couple times already about data. I think that's kind of the next point here too about mm-hmm. the data that needs to come in and what we need and what what data we're getting in order to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So one of the other articles we were looking at, and these articles will be linked in our show notes if you want to check them out, is one that Forbes had, which was all about the tech the trends for computer vision for this year. Yeah, right. The expectations this year. There's a lot of crossover between that and that Shutterstock article about mm. the future versus right now. Mm-hmm. But one of the things the Forbes article mentioned in particular was data quality and ensuring that the quality of data that we are bringing in through any of you know cameras or whatever mm-hmm. it is that is 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 doing this collection for us is potentially even more important than what's happening with that data on the back end. So talk a little bit more about that, Rob. You know, how do you feel how do you feel about the quality of data and why is it so important to make sure we're getting that right before we do anything else? I'm going to boil it down to two words and then I'll dive into it more. AI ethics. At Intel, one of the key things that we, you know, are very aware of is, you know, technology in itself is not good nor bad. Um, its application can be, um, can be, you know, innocuous. It can be insidious. Um, and AI-driven systems are definitely, um, are definitely at the cutting edge of those particular, um, of that discussion. Machine vision is an interesting one because, you know, you immediately think, well, a machine, of course, is going to be accurate uh, because it, of course, it's going to look at a set of images. And as long as I told it what a cat is, um, it's always going to recognize a cat. That's really nice, uh, except that, unfortunately, you better have a really good collection of well-annotated pictures of cats and hope that uh, lions... Uh, weren't accidentally introduced into your uh, picture um, or any other random use of the the term cat. Like a Hello Kitty? Uh, like Hello <laughs> Kitty. Someone's backpack, yeah. Cat versus real cat. Right. Um, you know, and, and there's been multiple cases in, uh, in studies that have been done associated with, for example, racial bias, uh, where people of particular races uh, miscategorized. And part of that has to do with the volume of images that were fed into these early algorithms, uh, they learned, frankly, incorrectly, incorrectly from a biased input set of data. Um, now, let me talk about this at a technology level for a second. In AI, um, and when I use the term AI, we're talking about a particular class of mathematics that we're using in machine vision to teach something to, in, to interpret what an image is, okay? a model building phase. We take thousands or millions of images and we teach um, an algorithm, a mathematical tool, what it what it's looking at. Uh, and again, I think the best term is garbage in, garbage out. If you give a bunch of images that, you know, and you teach it the wrong thing, it's going to always interpret that wrong thing. And that might not be the end of the world um, if you are you know, even saying this is a red car versus a blue car and you mislabeled the color. But if you mislabeled pedestrian and car um, in your data, that has an obvious thing that we can immediately picture. Well, that'd be bad. I taught the algorithm incorrectly. Now, I talk about AI ethics also because of the way that machine vision is deployed to uh, solve some of the problems that we have in society now. We don't have enough people that can work at a retail store and work at checkout. So what we see are people, you know, looking at using machine vision to do things like 
look at the shelves and determine what's on the shelf. Um, man, um, the checkout counter, you know, now I have one person who uh, manages six or seven machine vision powered checkout stations, and one person is there to offer assistance. Uh, well, if I'm using these cameras and detecting whether somebody's shoplifting um, or I'm trying to determine whether to charge somebody for broccoli, beans, or bacon, that's all about whether that model has been trained correctly. Um, and so the choices that are made regarding the deployment of these technologies really counts on integrity of the data that's used to feed them. And then importantly, the wise deployment of that technology where the human is still able to make an impact. Um, and that's where we are today. We are nowhere close to HAL 2000 uh, navigating the rocket. We're nowhere close to that. Where we are is the opportunity. And this is where I love that article. These AI algorithms can become assistance to humans in their everyday work, play, and everything that, that we do. And, and that's and we, we talk a little bit about all those manifestations. Mm -hmm. You're already starting to see it, right, uh, of where where this is starting to, to, to see itself. It sees itself in healthcare, right? Computer vision is being utilized uh, uh, from, you know, comparing imagery and, and cancer research to, oh, my gosh, just, you know, immeasurable ways that it's being used in healthcare. In retail, something a little closer to us, of course, you've got the Amazon Go grocery stores, right, yep, where you yep. just walk through, you're picking up stuff, and, the you know, the, 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 the video is watching what you pick up and and you can just walk right out of the store and it automatically uh charges to your account so and tesco's doing that by the way as well and mm -hmm. they're rolling that out so i mean these are the ways you know these are some very real examples that are very close to us uh of of how the how it's being manifest and how it's being utilized but to rob's point i mean right you got to have good data on the input side and and as solutions integrators right we need to be aware of that as well mm -hmm. uh that at the end of the road you know it's it, it does take a certain amount of discipline to get it right on the input uh, so that the meaningful dashboards and the business intelligence that's coming out of it and the, the uh, decisions that are driving the outcomes uh, can be properly uh, executed, I right. guess would be yeah. the way to think about yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, I like the what Rob, news, go ahead, Rob. The good, news, the good news in this case, Dean, in, is that a lot of the technologies that the, the vendors are creating, um, when they're well integrated into deployable capabilities, like for example, in uh, in restaurant automation, um, you know, there's, we have partners in our ecosystem where you go and you plug a machine vision camera and an edge gateway, uh, a hardened edge server, you know, into your, um, into your restaurant and it learns how your restaurant works. Um, and it effectively becomes an annotation system then so that then the restaurant people themselves can actually teach and how this kind of stuff works. That's what starts to get interesting is when we can apply these technologies to intelligently solve the problems of these technologies. Um, and Intel's invested a lot in trying to facilitate, you know, the vendors and VAR ecosystem to take advantage of those to accelerate adoption and make this market grow even faster. 
Yeah, I like how you mentioned the augmentation aspect because that's something we talk about a lot in a lot of different industries where people are always a little worried about, well, mm-hmm. technology is going to mean that we're going to be firing people and we're just trying to replace everyone, right? Mm-hmm. No, that's usually not the case. I mean, it could be, but typically speaking, what it's more about is, hey, we're just trying to make life and work easier mm-hmm. for you and Better, your faster, staff. smarter. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, and I mean, I think about like the autonomous driving. One of those articles mentioned that 25% of fatal car crashes are from fatigue. Right. And yeah. that's a simple thing mm-hmm. where like if you... You can just have something that can be as simple as helping augment someone that if they're fatigued, if they're tired, if they doze off, mm-hmm. can right the ship and make sure that they don't get in, into a crash. Mm-hmm. We're not again, it doesn't necessarily have to be fully autonomous point A to point B driving, but just the, the little things that can potentially help out. That's right. And I think on the data side of things too, you know, it's it's interesting that, you know, you mentioned the the quality of it and what can happen when you have bad or corrupted data or feed the data through certain kinds of filters. It reminds me of uh, it's been some years back now on Twitter. Somebody tried to, or maybe in Facebook, launched a basically a bot to chat with folks. They've tried this a couple times. They mm-hmm. wanted to like, hey, let's have a fully digital AI person that can be part of your feed and interact with you. And and letting it learn from what people were saying to it and discussing with it to like develop conversation. Okay. And as you can imagine, on social media, where people feel the need to say anything and everything, <laughs> no matter how vile and awful it is, right? Very quickly, that thing learned how to become one of the most vile and awful pe- people <laughs> in existence and saying horrible things, and they yeah. had to shut it down. All right. What to me was like that was a clear example of like, well, oh, you get what you, you get man. what you put into something, and right. in this case, you let the wrong <laughs> stuff get put in, and what you got out of it was not what you probably. Expected that are one sure. so yeah. well then rob let's let's talk about retail in particular because i think this is probably you know one of the industries in, in particular that are a lot of our vars are going to see yeah, right. the most use cases for mm-hmm. uh computer vision we've talked about again when we had george on from pather yep. Yep. we've had discussions about this and where it fits into the retail space so help us talk a little bit more to, about where uh, ai and computer vision is being used in retail and and, and what hardware helps amplify that Absolutely. So I think the first thing to start with is what are the kind of outcomes that retailers or people that are dealing with people that are interact with folks in a retail like environment. Okay. So it can be a convenience store. It can be a gas station. Yes. It could be a close outlet, a grocery store. It could even be the local bank. Um, these are all retail like interacting with consumer kinds of environments. Um, in these kind of environments, the typical measuring stick for success is, the patron experience. Who's coming in there? Do they leave satisfied? Were their needs met? And was it an efficient process that you know delivered value for both parties? Did they buy? Did they get the goods they were looking for at the price they wanted um, and in and out quickly? For example, waiting at the store is a pain in the neck. I mean, let's be honest. So what we start to do is we look for the kinds of common things in uh in the store interaction in the retail interaction and we say well how can we make it better okay so i said lines nobody likes to wait in a line well what if we could have that machine augmentation that helped us reduce the line the wait time uh what if um you know when i'm at in the store and i'm trying to look at the gucci purse for my wife for christmas um don't tell her uh, but it's behind the glass and I can't get anybody to help me. And I want to touch and feel that. Um, but there's nobody there to help me. I'm looking around for help. That, that's annoying. I, I might walk out of the store or what happens if you're in the midst of, um, you know, trying to refinish your basement 
and you've got the wrong size, um, you know, screws to, you know, put in your drywall or a wrong size socket and you wander into one of those big home goods stores and you can't find what you're looking for. These are all the kinds of things that we all live with on a daily basis as humans. And you'll notice I didn't say anything about machine vision. I didn't say anything about AI. I talked about the kinds of things that merchandisers, that store managers, that real retailers understand fundamentally. The technologies that we can bring as Intel, Blue Star, you know, enabled VARs and vendors, we can bring to those players um, are designed to go after those outcomes. And the good news is it takes on uh, a factor that those part, those clients are used to. Yeah, maybe we have to deploy um, a, a set of cameras or maybe we're going to leverage their existing security camera infrastructure. Maybe we're going to plug in, you know, a box about this big, you know, four by eight um, that just is going to have some onboard algorithms on it. And it's going to give you a dashboard that goes onto your touch display to tell you, hey, look, there's somebody over in that corner that needs help, or this guy's acting suspiciously. Looks like they must be, you know, putting things in their bag. Um, all of these kinds of things are would expose themselves as common, you know, technologies that people would recognize. What's different is the software inside that's driving it, um, and that's what becomes really exciting because you, as a VAR, that are used to providing the hardware experiences that often your retailer um, are used to, now you can add a new level of value and it's still going to be something that's going to look and feel in ways that they're used to. Now it's just going to be a little bit smarter and it's going to help the people that are helping your customers customer do a better job. I think we're seeing the retail is seeing a little bit of a resurgence this year, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. it's 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 clear that people are going back to the stores. Not as dead as that was predicted. Not as yeah. dead. So when you think about where is this going to be implemented? Well, the outcomes are both back of house and front of house, mm -hmm. right? Back of house, inventory control, replenishment, uh, things that we've talked about on here, you know, just the need for uh, for the retail environment to be more efficient. Why? Because of labor costs and labor availability right. and right. just the, the connective to the overall omni-channel e-commerce you know desire so you've got that whole back of house driving you got front of house you know customer experience it's all about customer experience what one of the things that retailers understand coming out of the pandemic is people are investing to go back yes but they want to invest in their experience getting in the store so making sure so when you have analytics that can heat map a store and help the retailers optimize where to put products and when and those types of things this is this is the way of the re retail future this is right. the way it's Right. going to be. So if you're a reseller, you got to have it in your tech stack, right? Yeah, I agree. Well, and to Rob's point, you know, the idea of going into a store and finding that someone can't assist you with something or not mm -hmm. being able to do what you want to do. I mean, we've all experienced that. And I remember back from my retail days, that's, it's hard to do as, you know, when you're working in a store yeah, too, that's right. yeah. like, you know, especially at the height, like at the holidays or any other yeah, kind of busy right. times. And like, you know, that you're supposed to be able to greet every customer and spend as much time with them as possible. But you know, when there's like five employees on the floor <laughs> and 50 customers, well, sorry, not everybody gets the quality attention that you, right. I hope they have. Yeah. And now you can't do like, there's a store my wife and I went to over the weekend. We walked in and literally someone on the far side of the store just heard the ding and just screamed out, welcome to name of store, you know, and that was it. Like that was, that was our introduction, you know, like no one was there to greet us, which again, they yeah, had a limited right. quantity of people. We didn't need to be greeted, but right. I think we can maybe find ways to do a little bit better little bit than better. screaming across the store yes. to, to, to gotcha. welcome someone in. Gotcha. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. well then Rob, let's, um, let's wrap up here and talk about some other industries maybe that are channel relevant to our bars. What are other ones that you see right now that are going to benefit from computer vision? 
I think Dean did a nice job of, of hitting on the front office, back office kind of story. Naturally, since retailers happen to have warehouses, it immediately links into anybody that has supply chain. So if you're, you've got a manufacturing company you're calling on, they have a warehouse. Anybody that's got a, uh, a place where you're pick packing and shipping, um, these create opportunities for overhead cameras to do things like inspect whether or not the right amount of cookies of the right types are in there. We've done projects like that with, you know, your, your favorite door-to-door cookie salespeople um, to show what, uh, you know, make sure the right packs are being shipped to folks. I think beyond even the warehouse and logistics space, um, there's a great opportunity for anybody that's, say, dealing with state and local government, um, looking at ways to do a better job of, interact, of you know, uh, taking information about what's going on around a, um, around a downtown shopping area uh, and provide extra information to people that are there and even potentially other information about what's going on around the, around the area. Naturally, all the technologies that we're leveraging with machine vision immediately link into um, areas around security, uh, but also um, then all the ways that that can be leveraged to improve outcomes, whether that's in utilities, um, a lot of different areas. But I think the spaces that I'm most excited about right now are those places where humans are doing things that, you know, often they can make mistakes on, which is one of the reasons I really like the logistics space right now. Um, of course, interestingly, healthcare also looks very much like that because there's places in the machine vision world where you can do things like, hey, where did I leave that, uh, leave that piece of medical equipment? I mean, there's been some studies, I think you guys have talked about them on the podcast before, where high value portable medical equipment is stashed somewhere in the hospital and they know it's, av- they know it's around and it's not being used, but nobody knows where they put it. Um, wouldn't it be nice if we could have the machines actually recognize, well, that's that portable blood test machine and we left it over in hall three. And if somebody just, you know, asked their communicator, where's the blood test machine, you know, and the AI voice came back and said, it's in hall three. Um, I'll have some, I'll, I'll page the nearest nurse to bring it to your location. That's a machine vision driven application that, you know, helps us deal with things like our nurse shortage. I love the, the reference to the communicator, the Star Trek <laughs> communicator. <laughs> I'm Computer, there, brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But think about it. I, I do like the safety angle. I mean, because to your point, John, when you were talking about, right, I mean, it's it's the safety concerns of or the power of machine vision, what AI can do there. I mean, one of the statistics in the article, 2.7 million injuries caused to workplace accidents every single year. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's a lot, right? It's that's really yeah. expensive. It's just in it. There's, there's the power of technology here through these technologies uh, that can help enable a better, safer work environment. Right, right. And that's going to manifest itself in warehouses and manufacturing and uh, construction sites. I mean, when you think about oh, yeah, it, right? I, I mean, that, that's a big one there. I mean, just, just that alone. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how this continues to manifest itself uh, out, in, out in the market, really. Yeah, completely agree. Um, I was going to say something about an article we did on AI, but I think I'm going to save that for our value to the VAR section because All right, fair I want to reiterate a little bit more of how <laughs> VARs can benefit from this whole discussion. So Got it. Uh, before we do that, though, we want to, as always, thank our Tech Connect sponsors. Yes. We appreciate their support of the show. Intel is one of those. We very much appreciate you supporting our Tech Connect program. And, and giving us 
Rob today. The yes. podcast lending Rob to us. Uh, hey, as always, if you like the show, we kind of want to know. I mean, mm-hmm. we as- I assume people are downloading and watching this on a regular basis. I'm going to assume you like it because you keep doing it. That's right. But we also need to hear from you from time to time. Yeah. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button for the episode. Leave us a comment, any kind of comment. Just say, hey, great episode. Love that discussion. Um, you know, Rob's brilliant. Dean and John, not so much. Whatever. You know, whatever yeah, it is, matter. we don't care. You know, right. just tell us, tell us something. Uh, if you're listening on the podcaster of your choice, if it's like Spotify or Apple, you know, Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. you can always leave a five star rating and review there. We definitely want to see those Helps come through. People find us. That's right. Exactly. And hey, of course, this show only really works when we're doing topics that you are interested in, mm-hmm. the stuff you want to hear about. We just had an episode last week about the new VARS guide to the channel. That's right. That was a that was a, a suggestion from a listener who said, "Hey, I'm just curious. I want to know what you guys would do if you were Be starting like all over Danny. again." Be like Danny. Put yeah. in your put in Be your like suggestion. Danny. That's exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah. So if you want to do that, there's always a link in the show notes where you can go to and submit a uh, a topic to us or a suggestion, something you think we should talk about, someone we should talk to, an uh, industry you want us to focus on. Just for doing it, even if we don't use it, just for doing it, we will send you a Tech Connect podcast T-shirt. That's right. I mean, what more could you want? There's not too many easier paths. Hurry to up, a and we can get it to you before Christmas. No, yeah, I'm not we prom- can't. No, 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 I'm not promising that at this point. <laughs> <laughs> now, come on, what's yeah. shipping like? Come on, right yeah, now. Exactly. Unless we find someone that's doing using some kind of AI shipping or something, maybe. Fair enough. Maybe they can handle that. Fair enough. Uh, and of course, if you want to reach out to us at any time, you can always find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod or email us TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here. Let's get into this value to the VAR. Yes, sir. So you mentioned early on in one of these articles that, or both articles actually mentioned that the computer vision market value is projected to hit $48 billion this That's year. That's a lot of money. And up quite a bit from up just bit. the last seven years. Yeah. I can't imagine this is going to decline anytime soon. I mean, no. I'm sure this is going to only get bigger over the That's next right. five to ten years or so. So, Rob, I'll let you start here. How do VARs get a piece of this puzzle? And more importantly, how do us, Blue Star and Intel, work together to help them get there? Well, I mean, the first thing to do is take an inventory of the customers you're selling to right now and understand what outcome it is that is keeping them awake right now. Do they not have enough people working in their in their stores? Um, did they have a lot of accidents in the warehouse last week? Um, what are those things that are keeping them them awake? I guarantee you that right now there is an integrated software and hardware solution available from the Intel and Blue Star ecosystem. Uh, that you could go in and have a qualitative briefing on um, about the potential for machine vision AI solutions to solve that problem. Don't go about this yourself. Maybe that's the key. But the first thing I would do is take an inventory of those outcomes and then bring them to to you and Dean and uh, and put us to the test, uh, because I would suggest to you that there's something there to help help your problem, help your client today. Um, and and we can help. Absolutely. And how, how else? Another good idea here. I, I got an acronym for you. The IPA, there Intel you Partner Alliance. Become a part <laughs> of that because it'll unlock and open doors into an ecosystem to help you navigate this. I mean, what he was just mentioning. They've got, we got solution marketplaces where you can go in, you can find holistic solutions. Of course, Blue Star has that as well. But in all seriousness, if you're going to be that VAR 2.0, right. if you're going to be bought into a partner-assisted ecosystem, system, which by the way, you should be by now, if you're not, then you got to, you're going to have 
have to start leveraging some of these things. And that's the whole reason why Intel and Blue Star are getting together is to enable our partners so that they can go after business in these new and upcoming verticals. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. And if you're wondering, you know, okay, well, which of my customers really want this or need this? Or All of them? Wouldn't they be asking about it if they were interested in this? Well, let me tell you, go to bluestarnation.com. This is our blog. We had a recent article published about uh, AI. We took a survey. We talked to, I think, almost 50 businesses mm -hmm. basically about, you know, their business. Are you currently using AI? Mm -hmm. If if so, for what, for what? If not, why not? And also, because a lot of the answers were no, we also asked a lot of folks, what do you think it would take or where do you think AI could mm -hmm. fit into your business? Mm -hmm. And the answers were not necessarily super surprising, but the overwhelming theme was people just don't know where this fits into their business. That's right. And there were some responses from like transportation companies mm -hmm. or like retail mm -hmm. companies that mm -hmm. said like, I don't see any fit with what I do or what we do in this company that where this would work. So you have to lead them to water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. That tells me like, all right, that means there are people that just don't quite understand how mm -hmm. this works. It's mm -hmm. still a little little next level and you mm -hmm. know higher brain than they're willing to think about or commit to in their business yet. Or they just don't understand it. Exactly. Right? And they need someone like you and your partners to come in there and say, hey, here's what we think may be a problem. Again, they're not gonna they're probably not gonna tell you where they need these solutions. Mm -hmm. You need to go to them and help them understand, hey, is this happening in your business? And if they say yes and you say, well guess what? That's something that AI and computer vision, machine vision, edge mm -hmm. solutions, whatever, could fix for mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have to tell them how and explain what it's going to do and give them, right. give them the examples and the resources and the use case. But I promise you, based on that survey alone, there's plenty of people that, that – they get it, sort of, mm -hmm. but they don't really get it. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. think they know what AI it's is. It's out there. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. They, they think they know what this stuff is, but what they think and what actually can happen in their business are mm -hmm. two very, very different things. Yeah. And you have to be there to bring you gotta that you got to be the down. thought leader. you got to understand what's going on in the marketplace, exactly. how, these, how these solutions can affect that. Because if you don't do it, the old adage... Somebody else will. That, exactly That's right. right. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's wrap things up, as always, with our favorite segment, What's yes. Tech Connecting With You? This is where we get to talk about something in the world of science, tech, business innovation, something yep. that's got our attention, caught our eye. We just yeah. feel like riffing a little bit about today. <laughs> Rob, I'll let you kick it off. What's Tech Connecting With You right now? Well, you know what? It's uh, here, here in the uh, holiday season, of course, I could talk about some technology that I was hoping to get for Christmas, but actually, that's not what I'm going to I'm going to hit. We've been talking a little bit about AI, um, and my daughter, who I talk about incessantly to anybody who will let me who will let me, um, is a PhD student, and she's doing a lot of stuff in the uh, analytics and AI space. And one of the things that she pointed out, which I thought was fascinating was that in the last five or 10 years with the explosion of computer power, um, a lot of the efforts in the development of the raw mathematics sort of took a back seat because it was much easier to just brute force the solutions to very intricate problems with massively parallel cloud systems um, than, for example, inventing new classes of mathematics or doing the research into physics and other topics. And so what I think is interesting is it's her belief that there's a big pendulum shift that's going to start to happen, especially as we start to deal with these edge applications, um, because, you know, now it's there's only so much compute power that you're going to be able to, to run out, you know, way out on the edge. And you're not always going to be able to carry, you know, all of you know, the Amazon backbone with you, which means that our math has to get more efficient if we're going to push these algorithms and the applications for them in new directions. So I'm excited to, I, I started to uh, subscribe to some new, um, some new Reddit feeds to read up on, 
you know, some of the emerging topics in, in these areas. And I think that gives me great hope because now what we start to do is we start to add different kinds of fuel back into the fire. And in the end, that's what innovation is all about. I like it. And hopefully they come up with new math that isn't quite as hard. I was just about oh, are to we going to go there that. too? Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, like the new math they're teaching kids today, it's like, no, that's what? Uh, but, but maybe to where Rob's going here, we need to be more efficient with our math. As soon it. as he said math more efficient, I'm like, well, from what I, again, I haven't experienced the new math yet. My son's, it's not, not starting oh, kindergarten wait, next friend. year. Yeah. But just everything I've heard about it tells me I'm going to be pissed off and frustrated about well, this. Yeah, because I it's think, a new uh, way of thinking. And that's what you're saying, exactly. Rob, right? Like there's the, the math, well, the community is saying, hey, we got to think differently if we're going to compute on the edge. Yeah. We can't have this heavy stuff laying around here. Exactly. This old school way of doing things. We got to <laughs> we got to compute in a new way. That's fascinating. That's pretty cool. All right, Dean, what's second acting with you And right by now? the way, he's tapped into the right community. Yeah, no doubt. His daughter's off the charts. Yeah, smart. no doubt. All right, here's my, uh, here's my headline. Scientists create baby wormhole. Uh, for, you always, know, as sci-fi moves can end closer well, yeah. to facts. So researchers the other day announced that they forged two minuscule simulated, so that's the key word, simulated, simulated okay, okay. black holes, uh, which you, everybody knows what a black hole is, in a quantum computer and transmitted a message between them through what amounted to a tunnel in space-time. Okay, okay. So, you know. This is timely. I was just talking to Marco before we, you came oh, in. Oh, you were talking about, about the space-time Well, continuum? we were talking about the movie Event Horizon, which oh, is all about what yes. happens when a ship does that whole folding space-time thing. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Go on. Not, not good things. No, it was no. not at all. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't watch that movie if you want a hopeful view of the future. No, that's not the one. Uh, so anyway, you know, so scientists were able to transmit this, you know, theoretical, you know, in a simulated black hole environment. Right, right. Uh, so, and of course they were, it, it, which is fascinating, right? So they've got this alphabet. Google, I guess, has a quantum uh, processor, the Sycamore quantum processor. Are you aware of that, Rob? He's shaking his, yeah. his head. Yep. Yes. Yeah. He's way ahead of us. He's way, way yeah. ahead of us on this one. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so they, they, they created this, this theoretical bridge between the two and communicated, you know, in, the, in that environment, communicated a message. So, of course, you know, journalists like me ask the silly question around, well, so can I transport myself between <laughs> yeah. it? And the, and the guy's answer is like, well, you know, uh, no, you can't do that. You can't put your dog through a wormhole yet right. and it's going to end up in the other side. But like I, or like I brought up put the yourself one. through one with a fly and see what happens there. That's yeah. right. That's yeah, right. Exactly. You know, uh, like I said a couple of podcasts ago, it's like, dude, some of this stuff is happening so fast and so rapidly. It's just like you have to stay on top yeah. of it. You're even going to understand where and what it's, technology is. It's one of those like awesome and terrifying all at the same time. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So. Yeah. I, mean, I think one of the things that would definitely happen here is you'd expect um, that means that bad news can travel even faster. Even faster, <laughs> yes. Like some somehow you're going to find oh, out a way that we'll get bad man. news before it's actually happened. Like that's you're going to hear something bad, yeah, yeah. and then it'll happen like two seconds later. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. That's, that'll be the ultimate right there. <laughs> So what's taking that? All over right. Here? Well, World Cup fever has taken oh, over yes, the of world course. right now. And, yes. um, unfortunately, as of this recording, the men's team just lost uh, you yes. know, a few games. Valiantly. Ago. Hey, if we want to start winning in the future, maybe we should start sending the women's team to the World Cup, to the to the men's World Cup, because they'd probably no still do better. Yeah, I know. Sorry if you're a fan of the men's team, but you know they haven't uh, <laughs> haven't really performed in some time. Uh, okay, but but by the, going back a few weeks though, I read this interesting article about uh, when folks folks that wanted to go to the World Cup and actually attend games mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. Qatar and some of the technology and privacy concerns that came Ooh, around that. Okay, so apparently if you wanted to make a trip to any of the tournaments, you were required to install some apps on your phone in order to make required that required. Got it. One of them sounds fairly simplistic. It's called Haya, and it's a compulsory ticket 
ticketing and transport apps. Okay, I get that one. All like, right. Have everybody have a singular app experience yep. for, tickets for tickets and for there you go. I guess ride shares, transport, all that kind of stuff. Whatever. Right. That kind of makes sense. All right. The other app is one called uh, Etheraz, uh, which is a COVID nineteen tracker. Mm. Again, on the surface, I get it. You know, yep. like right. obviously you got all these people together. You want to have some, you know, the whole um, you know contact uh, tracing contact tracing mm-hmm. thing. Yep. Well, apparently this app uh, requires <laughs> claims Uh-oh. access to several rights on your mobile, like access to read, delete, or change all content on the phone. Oh, good lord! As well as access to connect to Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, override other apps, and prevent the phone from switching off to sleep mode. Oh, geez, Louise! So it basically <laughs> takes over the phone. Yeah, essentially. So yeah. basically, so like all these—that's awesome. All these, you know, cybersecurity experts around the world weighed in and said, like, you probably, if you're going to do this and you insist on going, take a burner phone or something to put this <laughs> stuff on. If I was an employer, I wouldn't let anybody take their employer's phone or their employer phone or any phone that connects to any employer mm-hmm, apps, mm-hmm. any kind of information you don't want. Because right. clearly there's, I mean, you know, the whole background of Qatar getting the World Cup is a little, you know, Strange. shady and dubious. Mm-hmm, you know, we have, there's mm-hmm. endless stories about corruption in FIFA and right. Qatar has a terrible human rights record, you know, right. with, with building all this stuff for the infrastructure for this. Yep, yep. And this right on top of it, like, oh, and by the way, if you show up, they'll steal everything that's on your phone. Yeah, exactly. So have right, a great time. Everything. Yeah. yeah, come on. Enjoy. Hope you had a good time. I, I think I'll just stay and watch <laughs> safely from the comfort of my own home. Thank you so much. You know, like, yeah. Rob, I think you're taking a burner phone, right? <laughs> if you if you go to the FIFA World Cup, you're you've got your old you can dust off an old iphone somewhere i'm, I'm gonna i'm bringing a five watt bag phone <laughs> there you go <laughs> there you go there you go exactly Even better just yeah. enough to get by oh man. all right are you hey. sure china wasn't behind that um, i just had to i mean i wouldn't be there, right? surprised if they were involved they were the in app way. developer yeah, right exactly yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh man rob risney from intel thank you so much for joining us thanks today. rob thanks for having me Hey, until next time, we do have to unplug. But um, hey, you know, get out your burner phone. And, yep, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just be careful what apps you download, folks. That's like 101. Come 101. on. Like, That's right. Exactly. And as always, please stay connected. TechNet Podcast is brought to you by Elo. One product, Dean. Yes. Thousands of uses. Oh, I like it so far. It's like a Swiss Army knife <laughs> of products here. <laughs> yes. Right out of the gate. There's a there's a free idea there for you, Elo. Some free marketing on your behalf. More than a Swiss Army knife. I mean, come on. That only <laughs> has like true. eight tools. This <laughs> has got a thousand. That's a good point. Yeah. Really big Swiss Army knife. <laughs> uh, the possibilities are endless with Elo's iSeries 4. From self-order and self-checkout to order pickup and virtual assistance, pair the iSeries with a variety of stands to create your perfect kiosk. Uh, audio and video, video applications? Need it. Yeah, no problem. The iSeries offers built-in digital microphones and an 8-megapixel camera. Nice. iSeries also lets retailers build engaging experiences, educate buyers, create brand awareness, and drive purchases in-store with an easy-to-use interactive platform that can adapt as needs change. And you were talking all boom. about uh, retail's, you know, yeah. back. and Oh, yeah. Customer experience is ever. everything. I mean, this boom, the, we just rattled off all those features. Exactly. This is the kind of stuff you need if you want to have your, if your retailer wants to, you know, really drive the business. 100%. With a built-in Hub US. BC connectivity and optional customer facing display, you can easily convert your favorite iSeries into a powerful industrial designed POS system. Do you, do you have a favorite iSeries? Did I put you on the spot? All of them. Do you know, all of them. Oh, I was like, see. That's like a dad saying, my favorite kid is it's all of them. them. Yeah, good yes, answer. I love you all equally. Good answer. <laughs> to learn more and select the perfect iSeries display for your customer needs, contact your Blue Star email representative. Technic Podcast is also brought to you by Zebra. Looking for the right-priced, rugged tablets that have it all right out of the box? Yes. 
You are? Uh, every day. Every day? The right size at the right price? Come on. I mean, that's this, it. This is just what you do? You just this is look what around I do. looking for the right size rugged tablets? Yeah, I work at Blue Star. So you probably should have started with Zebra then, you know? I <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah, clearly you I don't should. know why you've been wasting all this time looking around when you could have been talking to Zebra this whole time. <laughs> Straight we, to the point. We work with them every day. Boom. Zebra's ET40 and ET45 are the enterprise tablets that give your customers everything they need. The perfect replacement to consumer-grade tablets, the ET40 and 45, are available in an easy-to-carry 8-inch or 10-inch model for easy viewing and information-rich apps. With the ET40 and 45, customers get thin and light consumer styling that is business-tough, integrated enterprise-class scanning, the fastest wireless connections, a multi-year life cycle. I mean, what more again, would you need? Dean, what else do you want? Yeah, no. Why are you this still looking? It. No, not okay, looking good. anymore. All right. Got my solution. But let me, let me just hype you up just a little bit. All right. Powerful new communication options, new oh. solutions that add new capabilities, allowing users to turn these tablets into a POS, a workstation, a two-way radio, and a PBX handset. What the? Yeah. 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 That's I mean, there you from go. a phone to an all-in-one. There you go, Zebra. There's your marketing quote on the box. What the? What says the? D. Reverman, <laughs> VP of Marketing. Plus, complimentary Zebra-only mobility DNA professional tools improve every aspect of the device lifecycle. Customers can take worker productivity to the next level by upgrading to the Mobility DNA Enterprise Toolkit and additional value-add software tools. So to learn more about the ET40 and 45, not waste your time looking like Dean has. Yes, that's right. Snag the, the, some useful selling tools by checking out the link in the show notes.